a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a man that was with us, his wife, in the uh, morning service and then came back in the evening service. And he has pastored for many years in um, another church in another city. And um, Brother Urshan was here. Our brother Nathaniel Paul Urshan preached on Sunday night. And the pastor and his wife, we went out to eat with him afterwards. And Brother Urshan got to just sharing the history of the oneness movement. His grandfather, of course, Andrew Urshan, was one of the one of the leaders in that uh, oneness uh, movement that took place. And uh, enormous crowds of people, even in America, five, seven thousand people would gather together and the Holy Ghost would move and they began to baptize in Jesus' name. And he told stories about his grandfather being in, in Russia before a firing squad and and uh, how that the firing squad just all set their weapons down and took off running. And uh, he opened his eyes and wondered what had happened. And uh, when they finally were able to get a hold of one of the soldiers to find out what happened, the uh, soldier said that Brother Urshan began to speak in fluent Russian. And he said he was, he was, he didn't even speak Russian. He was just speaking in tongues as he figured his life was in it. He began to speak in perfect Russian and said that the angels of the Lord are here and they are here to protect me. And the man said that as they lifted their weapons to fire, they could see big 15-foot angels on either side. They dropped their guns and ran. Brother Andrew Urshan had been sent as a this would be Joel Urshan's now great-grandfather, Nathaniel Paul Urshan's grandfather. But he had been a member of the Assemblies of God and had been sent to, to uh, Iran, which the Urshans are Persian, to uh, be a missionary. And uh, was there for a few years and then had come back through Russia and his passport was stolen. That's how he ended up staying in Russia. He began to win people to the Lord and baptize them. At that time, all he knew was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So he began to baptize them and follow the Son and the Holy Ghost. And he was baptizing them in a river. And the 37th person he was to be baptized was a man that was nearly 100 years old. When Brother Urshan went to baptize him, he said, you're going to baptize me in Jesus' name, right? He said, no, I'm going to baptize you in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He goes, oh, no, you baptize me in Jesus' name. And the, the older man was so adamant, nearly 100 years old, he wasn't going to mess this up. And it so moved what we're talking about this morning, the apostolic influencer. It was so definite and it so moved, Brother Urshan. He went and began to study. The Lord gave him the revelation of the oneness. And he went back and found all 36 people he had baptized in the river and rebaptized them all in Jesus' name. That started a tremendous, tremendous revival in Russia. Even for years, we didn't even know what all the extent of it was. But oneness apostolics in, in the, the Soviet Union behind the Iron Curtain, whenever uh, the Soviet Union fell, they found that there were nearly 5 million what they call Urshanites, oneness apostolics in the Soviet Union, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus. Brother Urshan began... Brother 
Nathaniel Paul Urshan is the only living heir of Andrew Urshan. Of course, he knew his grandfather until he was about 17 years old and his grandfather had passed. And he just, he just started sharing all of these stories. And this pastor and his wife were listening. And the next day, this has been less than two weeks ago now, that man who pastored for a number of years was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ right here in Palm Bay. He's like, I've got to go back now and tell my whole church about it. Oh my, can you imagine? God's going to give us a revival like this we cannot even imagine. Oh, I feel a revival coming of the name of Jesus. There's power in the name. Tonight is what we call reverse church where we're only going to speak for a few moments and then we're just going to spend time in the presence of God tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. I call your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and I want to begin uh, reading here with verse 5. I'm just going to read one verse in your hearing. Paul writing, of course, to Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. I want to speak for just about a few minutes here on the subject, unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Faith is the fuel that makes the body run, but more specifically, it makes the soul run. There's times when your body may run out of gas, but if you have faith, your soul will keep running. And unfeigned, by definition, means something that is sincere or genuine. To feign something is to pretend. I remember um, as a kid, we used to feign that we were asleep. We would pretend that we were asleep, and that was fun to do because then your parents would begin to tell family secrets because they thought you were asleep sure none of you ever did that as a kid but pretend feign sleep unfeigned faith is something that's genuine something that is real something that's not pretend the question that comes to our minds tonight is what makes faith unfeigned what makes faith genuine and again I think it helps to identify the opposite Feigned faith is when you pretend to believe or you pretend that you're okay, but, but deep inside you're troubled. Maybe you're going through a time of sickness or maybe you're going through a time of loss and your faith is waning. I want to tell you tonight that God does not expect you to feign your faith. He does not expect you to pretend that everything's all right. This is the wonderful thing about prayer. You can be honest with God. Lord, I'm struggling. I'm going through some things and I don't understand why. But God, help my unbelief. Oh, hallelujah. I believe, but help mine unbelief. This was a request that was made to the Lord and the Lord did not shun that individual. Help my unbelief. You can be honest with God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going through some things that I'm really not sure about and I need you to give me some clarity and some understanding and the Lord will be right there by your side. And He will give you an unfeigned faith, a faith that you can know that you have heard from God and everything is going to be all right. He doesn't expect you to be some kind of a fairy tale, make-believe Christian. 
He believes in you and knows that if you can get this unfeigned faith that nothing can shake you. No sickness, no circumstance, no trial can shake you from the hand of God. How do we experience this unfeigned faith? This genuine faith, this sincere faith? It is a uh, a position that I may not understand at all, but I can still trust. It's that being in that place where you say, Lord, I, I can't make sense of everything going on around me, but I still believe. I still trust in you. Paul said, Timothy, your grandmother had it and your mother had it. And now I believe it is in you. When I read that, I begin to think that maybe there's some clues as to what unfeigned faith is. By the way that Paul addressed Timothy. It must be able to be taught by modeling it. Not always easy to get a hold of really what faith is. It's one of those intangibles. Timothy grew up seeing this genuine faith. It was in his grandmother. It was in his mother. Does it mean that they never had trouble? Doesn't mean that they were always in a perfect environment. It just meant that they trusted God in every circumstance. And I tell you tonight, the best thing that you can do for your kids, the best thing you can pass down to your children, is not money or education. It is unfeigned faith. A sincere belief that God will take care of us. A sincere belief that God is right by your side. When people may run and turn their back on you and forsake you, there is a God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Best thing you can do is model that to your children. We're still going to church. We're going through some trials, but we're going to the house of God. We're going to keep on praying. We don't understand our present day circumstance, but we're going to keep on believing. Model that unfeigned faith. I know as a kid growing up in a pastor's home, we did not always have a lot, but we had unfeigned faith. It was modeled for my sister and I. In the good and the bad, we had to learn to trust in God. You won't walk with God very long before you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested to see if your faith is unfeigned faith. If it's an authentic faith. Timothy would go through some tough times. But Paul was saying, I believe you got in you what your mother and your grandmother had. Unfeigned faith unwavering faith realistic faith a faith that keeps you in the good and in the bad Paul did not have that upbringing he had a faith that was tested in the fiery trial of adversity but there was something about Timothy there was a preservation faith that had been modeled for him oh can I just speak for a moment to somebody that's been raised in the church you ought to thank God every day if you've had an upbringing where it's been modeled for you because there's a preservation faith that comes upon the next generation. You don't have to go through maybe some of the fiery trials of faith that others have had to go through. You can get an unfeigned faith to say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. It's been modeled. I know to whom I should go when I need help. I know my answer's in Christ. I know I can always believe in Him regardless of what I may face. God is on my side. 
talking with a friend of mine recently. He's an attorney here in town. I never knew this story. We were just having lunch the other day, and he started to tell me a little bit about his son, and I never, I never knew this about his son, but his son at 12 years old was arrested for attempted murder down in Fort Lauderdale and had been bullied by a kid and the kid would come to the house and always try to take his money and all that. One day he, he just had enough and stabbed the kid in the back with a kitchen knife. And the kid went running and he went into the kitchen, got another knife and ran out the door chasing him again. He just, he just flipped. And uh, the boy was only 12 years old. He ended up uh, getting arrested and, and uh, being put in a juvenile center uh, over in the Tampa area. And my friend said, this is when we moved out of South Florida and moved up here to the Central Florida area. And my friend said, I'd go over every weekend to visit my son. And he said, for the first time, I got a Bible down and I began to talk to my son about the Word of God. And he said, uh, by the time he got out of that juvenile center, he spent one year and two weeks there. He said, by the time he got out of there, he said, Dad, I want to go to church. He brought him here to Melbourne, started taking him to church. The young man got involved in going on missions trips. He got involved in being able to volunteer, and be involved in being in, involved in the church. He got, it, he got to change in his whole life because he got it focused on something other than himself. And uh, I said, how's your son doing now? His son's now 26 years old, and uh, he went to uh, medical school up in Massachusetts, and he's working now at Nemours Hospital over in Orlando. And working with uh, kids that have major surgeries, even spinal surgeries, and he's involved in his surgery, but he said he still credits to this day that it was his faith in God that turned his life around as an angry 12-year-old kid. Oh, my friend, there's nothing better than having the Word of God as the guide for your life. There's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of strife in this world, but there's a God in the middle of it that said, oh, if you can just believe in me. God can protect you from a lot of stuff. Paul was telling Timothy, you've got a heritage. It's been modeled for you. But oh, you've got to get it for yourself, Timothy. You've got to get it in your own spirit. You've got to get it in your own heart. I believe that it's in you. I've seen it modeled in your mom. I've seen it modeled in your grandmother. But oh, Timothy, God's going to put it in you. It's an unfeigned faith. It's an unwavering faith. It's a faith that says, I'm going to believe. If nobody else believes, I'm going to believe. Faith that makes you believe when everything else wants to lay down and die, God will give you a faith that will not die. When the reports come back that your body is covered with cancer, faith refuses to die. Faith makes a woman get up out of her rocker and take to the streets, seeking to just touch the master's garment, just the hem of the master's garment. Faith makes four friends of a lame man take the roof off and lower the lame man down to the feet of Jesus. Faith makes Noah build an ark. Faith made Abel offer a more excellent sacrifice. Faith made Job turn over in his sores where he lay and proclaimed to the gawking spectators, though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Did you get what he said? Yet in my flesh! Don't go too fast, part part through that you got to make sure you land on that and digest it yet in my flesh he's not talking about over yonder he's not talking about when he gets to heaven 
He's saying right here, right now. Yet in my flesh I shall see God. There's a God that's going to make a way in my present circumstance. Oh, East Wind, you got to get an unfeigned faith. God's going to help me. God's going to see me through. When I look at these next two verses in closing, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, we read verse 5 in our text. I want you to notice what he says in verse 6 and verse 7. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. In other words, that unfeigned faith, that gift of God that's in every one of us has to sometimes be stirred up. You got to just stir it up sometimes. Say, how do I stir it up? You stir it up by declaring the promises of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul said, I prayed for you, and it's there. You've got to stir up the gift of God. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. This is what he continues to say in verse 7. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, I've got to stir up that gift that's within me, huh? I got to get a hold of some unfeigned faith. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live in shame and condemnation. I'm going to get up on my feet and say, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Because my faith is not fake. My faith is not make believe. My faith is real. It's been through the fire. Oh, if you've ever had a fiery trial, if you've ever had a day or a moment when you weren't sure you were going to make it, but God gave you the strength. That's unfeigned faith. Mm, Would you stand to your feet tonight? And everybody else thought you'd be done by now. They thought you'd be history, but you're still here. And you said, I'm coming tonight to spend some time with the Lord. I'm coming tonight to say, great is the Lord. You have been great in my soul. Come on. I'm coming tonight to stir up the gift that is within us. How do I stir it up? You stir it up uh, by spending time with the Lord. And just a few months ago, the Lord told us, uh, I want you to learn to linger in my presence. Uh, I'm telling you, that unfeigned faith uh, will become a reality as the saints of God begin to linger in the presence of God. And I want us to spend a few moments tonight. We're going to start out. The worship team's going to help us. But I want you to come and find a place or maybe you want to pray in your seat or... Maybe you want to walk around, but we're going to just spend about an hour with the Lord tonight. And I'm going to ask you to start out tonight by just taking about 10 or 15 minutes and just worshiping the Lord. I said, just worship in the Lord. Stir up that gift that is within you. Let's just take a few moments right now and let's just begin to lift our voice and worship the Lord. We've got some needs we're going to pray about in a moment. But right now, I wonder if the saints of God would just lift their voice up to Him. and You would just praise God. You'd find a place, whether you want to pray down front in an aisle, if you want to walk around, however you're comfortable. I just ask that you would make this a holy place tonight. 
Don't be distracted by socializing. Come on, let's socialize with the Lord for a little while. That I may know Him in the fullness of His glory. And in His excellent greatness. Come on, let's take some time right now to praise Him. I worship you, Lord. I worship you. Hey! 
Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to spend a little bit of time tonight praying for these special needs. I wonder if you would uh, help me tonight to pray for uh, Brother George Hedges. I saw Sister Hedges. I don't know if Brother Hedges is here. He's not here. Would you help me to pray for uh, Brother George Hedges? Also for Sister uh, Etta Sebastian, who is Sister uh, uh, Lisa Pavetta's mother. Uh, Would you help me to pray for Sister Etta Sebastian? Uh, Also Brother Steve Gailey. Uh, We talked about that situation on Wednesday night. Brother Steve Gailey, desperately in need of a touch from the Lord. Pray for his family as well, that God would give Steve Gailey strength and his family, Judy and Lisa and James. And also uh, Sister Lizette Graber. We need to pray for Sister Lizette Graber. She's finished her last uh, chemotherapy treatment, but we need to pray that those cancer cells would just be gone for good. Nothing would reoccur. God would keep his hand upon her. I know Brother Richard Jenkins is here tonight, but we want to continue to pray for Brother and Sister Jenkins that God would keep his hand upon them. As we pray for these, uh, some of you men want to just stop by, some of you ladies, and just pray for Brother and Sister Jenkins that God would give them strength. And then also Brother uh, James Donnelly, uh, who uh, comes with Frank and his wife, and uh, he is uh, the son. He's a young man, but he has got uh, got to have a touch from God or he's not going to make it. He's a kidney failure. Uh, numerous things. They, they can't get him on the list to get a kidney transplant. His organs are shut down. God doesn't heal him. There's no hope in this medical world for James Donnelly. Young man that spent some years raised in this church. But I believe the prayers of God's people can make a difference. Oh, hallelujah. So it would help me to pray for just a few moments right now for George Hedges, Etta Sebastian, Steve Gailey, Lizette Graber, the Jenkins, and James Donnelly. Let's go before the Lord and just pray right now.
Hallelujah, Jesus. I feel led in the Holy Ghost to do something. You can keep praying. But I feel led to have our young people to go around and pray for our elders. It's the Stevens and the Timothys that changed the world. And this is not just exclusive to adults, but there's young people that are full of power and anointing. And I want them to go around. If your elders just want to sit down wherever you're comfortable, I'm going to ask the young people men and women, boys and girls, to go around and let's pray for our elders right now. Would you do that? All of our young people, would you just go around and begin to pray? Let's just keep keep praying. Let's keep praying. But God's going to give us a special generational anointing right here. Oh, yes, college career and our young people. I want you to begin to pray for your elders right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for strength and vitality. We pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost.
Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't it feel good to just linger in the presence of God? Amen. God is so good. There's such a richness of God's presence when you just spend time with Him. And I want you to feel comfortable to pray as long as you want to. You must go. We understand. I know God's going to bless you this week. Let's continue to lift up the Lord in this community. Be a lighthouse, a light that shineth in a dark place. God will continue to use us and we'll continue to glorify him. Amen. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus. Thank you, Lord.